Welcome to Power Start Your Day with Dame Nicola Smith-Jackson, helping everyday people to build their empire and win at life, money, and business. And now, here's your lifestyle money and business coach, Dame Nicola. Welcome to Power Start Your Day. It's Dame Nicola. We're going to reawaken your spirit this morning, resuscitate your passion, renew your mind so you can start winning with life, money, and business. I'm very excited to be here with you. I know we're here on Blog Talk as well as in the clubhouse. If you're there, go ahead and hop in our discussion on uh, urgent money matters you must master in these crazy times. I know, I know, I know, I know that people thought that 2020 was over, and I believe it was just a pre-show for what we're experiencing and what's going to get even crazier if you don't start mastering money. And so um, on today, our scripture, we're going to Proverbs 4 and uh, and 7, and I want you to understand something. Um, Those who really grab the concepts around money, Uh, We will um, have that transfer of wealth and those who will ignore these messages that are happening all over, including, um, you know, not only direct financial impact to your bank accounts, but we see the things that are changing even in our social lives. Um, It will leave you out. And I am uh, definitely going to do my part, but it's time for you to do your part in mastering money so we can start making a mint because money is being made here and now. Let's go to the Lord. Let me pray for you, because I I need you to just open up your heart and mind um, with thus says the Lord. It's for you to go back and and check it out for yourself, um, and then um, hopefully be inspired, not just frightened. Many people are making moves out of fear, and more than likely, those may not be the best moves. But even if the fear incites you to be inspired, that now you can make moves from wisdom. Father God, we come before you. We honor you today because today is a day you've made and we're glad, we're joyous, we're here in the land of the living. Heavenly Father, as we are here in this Kairos moment, heaven and earth standing still, let you get kind of glory. Just rain down on us right now. As those that will call you Abba Father, calling you by your name, let us show you the love we have toward you by keeping your commandments right now. We're asking for your Holy Spirit to have full reign here over power start your day because we are nothing without you and we have no power without him. As we're going out to do these great exploits in your name, let us be careful to acknowledge you in all of our ways. And as we're gathering this information, let us test the spirit by the spirit. And also, Let us share this information that the next generation will be able to eat as we're teaching them how to fish so we can eat now for a lifetime. We're honoring you and we're blessing you and we're promising to be good stewards over the resources and the transfer of wealth that's happening right now. We seal this prayer with the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Go ahead and turn to Proverbs 4 and 7 if that's what you want to do. But I'm going to read to you and, and let you know that God is saying it in everything. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. 
and with all thy getting, get understanding. It's extremely important that when we gather information that can not only make impact for our lives, but the lives of others, that we take the information and become examples of what the information means. It's one thing if I would come and share with you what to do, even tell you how to do it, but not be an example of what's being done. I want you to go ahead and ping some people uh, on today, and I want us to understand that wisdom is going to be the first thing we got to get. And so let me tell you something. Wisdom is automatically going to allow you to say, you know what, I'm going to be a good steward. Because anything that you're wiser over is last longer. And so when we begin to look now and, and we, we start looking We're going to want wisdom in these days. We're going to want wisdom in these days. And I see one of our very good friends and mentors, Myron Golden Hopton, and we're going to definitely bring him up as we talk about these money matters that we need to know about. You know, I know that a lot of us, we really um, maybe understood money for the first time from our parents or the people who have very high influence in our life. And they play important, an important role on even our social and our mental and even our careers that we chose. And also our financial development. I don't know about you, but I grew up in the house for some time. You'd ask for something and, and we would hear, we don't have it. Have you ever experienced something like that? Where you heard more that we didn't have it or was it clarified that that's not where we're going to put money right now? I can tell you right now that also flows over into our own behaviors, not only about how we manage our money, but even how we handle other people who have money. And so what we want to do is identify and really take another look at our core values around money. And I know that a lot of the lessons we probably learned was through our painful experiences or mistakes. I read somewhere where people either... Um, they make changes either through pain or inspiration. And unfortunately, sometimes pain can paralyze. And sometimes people really don't do much with the inspiration. But when we start to think about basic things about money, like pay yourself first, and this time, I know you've heard wealthy people say this before, but in this time, People who majority of their money is going to bills, paying others before they position themselves to pay themselves first, are already experiencing pain or going to experience much more lasting pain. Because most times after you paid everyone else, there's no money left over. So we didn't never position ourselves to accumulate money where the money is going out there to work even harder than we work. You'll never be able to labor yourself to wealth. We have to understand the basics of leverage. And this leverage is going to make it very clear that we have to have multiple streams of income. I want to bring up Myron Golden to the stage. I want to invite him to uh, speak on the stage here. And I also would like us to really talk about this. You know, um, Myron 
not only a money master, but a master with biblical wealth principles. And I can tell you this right here. We have um, also Abdul, uh, One Million Course Strategies. I'm very excited to have you gentlemen here with me on this morning. And what I want us to talk about right now is the urgency of, of those who need to understand uh, paying themselves first. Many of them who are listening are entrepreneurs, so they may have one uh, business or maybe their side hustle that had to become the main hustle because things are changing rapidly. And, you know, we first asked this question here about paying yourself first, and then now when we do that, we understand that we need to save to invest. Myron, would you like to open up and talk about this? Absolutely, Nicola. Good morning. And Nicola Smith-Jackson is one of the most brilliant business mentors I know, one of the most financially savvy people I know. So uh, when she's talking, make sure you're writing it down and taking notes. Now, Nicole, I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to sound like I'm nervous, but I'm not nervous. I am actually up to my neck in 59-degree water in my swimming pool right now. Because oh. I'm so I'm not nervous. I'm just, I'm just biohacking this morning. So um, the first thing I want to say is this. Um, if you're if you're serious, like financial matters, like money matters, I'm going to tell you the like primary objective for being in business is to create generational wealth producing profits. You've got to like you. It's not about. I mean, cars and houses are nice, and I've got cars, and I've got houses, I've got nice cars, and I've got nice houses, and I've got all that stuff. But I'm going to tell you something. The most important thing that I do with my money is the most important thing that I do with my money is number one build the kingdom. Number two is build my financial legacy. And so I'm going to say this. I'm going to share with you a couple of biblical principles about wealth creation. Number one, wealth is a good idea because wealth is a God idea. That's the first thing you got to wrap your mind around. Nicole, if we teach people how to make money and they believe in their heart of hearts that somehow making money is inherently evil, they are, they will never work hard to produce something they despise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so the enemy has gotten God's people to believe that somehow or some way that there's something inherently wrong with having money. There's something inherently wrong with building wealth. And neither of the case, neither one of those situations is true. I, I was doing some research in, um, in, in about the concept of wealth, and I found out in, in the book of Genesis, there are some principles to understand Bible and proper Bible interpretation. And what's fascinating is there's a concept called the law of first mention, which tells us the first, however God mentioned something for the first time, that's his original design for that thing. And I thought the substance that represents wealth around the world and has for eons, for thousands of years, is gold. And I thought, man, I wonder how many times gold is mentioned in the Bible. And I thought, well, it's got to be in there at least 500 times. That's what I thought, right? It's not, it's not, it's not in the Bible, in the book of Genesis. Gold is mentioned in the book of Genesis exactly eight times. And the reason that's important is because eight is the number of abundance. It's the number of eternity. It's the number of the new beginning. It's the number of infinity. In fact, if you take it eight and turn it on the side, um, it's the symbol for infinity. Wealth is men mentioned in the Bible exactly eight times. Here's the mind-blowing part. Are you ready? Yeah. Every time gold is mentioned in the book of Genesis, it is mentioned in conjunction with God's people. Mm. Every time which tells us that gold, the purpose for wealth, that he put wealth on the earth, he put it on earth for God's people. One, uh, and I don't know how much Bible stuff you, how much practice stuff you, like you tell me, if you, like you want me to talk for another minute, I'll talk for another minute. If you want me to talk for another five minutes, I'll talk for another five minutes. But when, if you want me to talk for another 30 seconds, it's your platform and I want to respect that. I don't want to go into a long rant, 
and I'm certainly not going to go into a Bible study, but um, once they, the first time gold is mentioned, the Garden of Eden, it's, I mean, in, the, in Genesis, it's mentioned as providence for God's people. There are two people. It's mentioned in the Garden of Eden. There are two people. They're married to each other. There are no stores. There's nothing for sale. There's nothing to buy. And yet God put gold in the Garden of Eden, and he made sure to tell us that it's there. So it's mentioned as providence for God's people. Providence means to provide in advance. Mm-hmm. The second time it's mentioned, it's mentioned as a provision for God's people. And that's in Genesis chapter 13, verse 2, where it says, and Abram was very rich in cattle and silver and gold. And so it's mentioned as a possession, rather, a possession by God's people. So the first person the scripture tells us was rich was Abraham. A lot of people don't know that. The, one of the last times gold is mentioned, not the last time, it's in Genesis 41, 42. And this is the only time in the book of Genesis where gold is mentioned as somebody having it other than a child of God. And that's Pharaoh. And here's what it says. It says, Pharaoh took the chain off his neck and put it on Joseph's neck and put the, took the gold ring off his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. So one of the things you have to realize is until you get okay with your relationship to wealth, until you understand that it's not just okay for you to have wealth, but it's literally a good idea because it's a God idea, you will never work towards having it. You will never mm-hmm. think towards having it. And the second thing I'm going to say is this, and this is not this is a this is more of a practical something you need to understand about money. I, people say that time is money. Time is not money. Time is more important than money, and wealth has a need for speed. But people say, "Is this a get-rich-quick scheme?" When that, people ask me that about anything I'm talking about, I always say, "You better hope so, because you're not going to be here long enough to get rich slowly." And so the fact of the matter is, if a person makes a million dollars, are they rich? The answer is, it depends. Because if you make $25,000 a year and you work for 40 years, you made a million dollars, but mm-hmm. you're not rich. But if you make a million dollars in the next 12 months, you are rich. What's the difference? The amount of money is not different. The time it took you to make it is different. Wealth is measured more in time than it is in money. And the most important thing you will ever buy with money is you will buy back the rest of your life. Wow, so, so powerful. So powerful. I don't want you to go away. I don't want you to go away. I got to ask a question (laughs) because this is the thing. I know that the mindset towards rich and wealthy um, is where people are not understanding that wealth is something we should possess, but many people are confused with people who've made getting rich an obsession. So they feel like guilty around that. And I have seen that where people have, they just feel they don't deserve it. And so like you said, people don't work hard for things they don't believe they should own. They don't believe that it's their right. And I know, I don't believe it. I know it is our right as children of God to possess, but not obsess over Wealth, meaning that we are supposed to master it. It never was intended to be our master. It's, it's, it's literally our divine inheritance. That's right. You, you know what's really interesting? I, I love what you just said. We should possess it, not obsess it. Do you realize that God gave us the formula for success in Genesis chapter 1? Here's what he said. Be fruitful. There we go. <laughs> multiply. Replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion. Here's what's really interesting. The verb be... B is what we're supposed to be. That be fruitful means to produce on the outside based on what's on the inside. But when he said multiply, the implied verb is do. Do multiply, do replenish, do subdue, and then you can have dominion. That's mm-hmm. what God said. Be, do, have, which means don't be, can't do, can't do, can't do, can't have. And so here's the problem. B is your identity. 
do is your activity. Have is your property. If you don't have the right, if you don't have the right identity, you can't do the right act- activity, and you will not ever take ownership of your the right property. Mm-hmm. So make sure you understand the process. God put the desire to have inside of you, so you would be willing to do. He He didn't start you with the ability to do. He started you with the capacity to gain the ability to do. But if you're unwilling to gain the ability to do by becoming, you will never deserve to have. So powerful. You know, um, I, I would love Abdul to chime in. Some people can raise their hands as well. We're going to bring in some questions because, you know, you said something, Myron, so powerful about time in relativity to wealth. And when we begin to look at compounding and people not looking out for their best interest, meaning banks look out for their best interest. They have time frames as to, you know, when money is supposed to come back to them more than what it left them. And many of us are not thinking in the mindset, like thinking like a bank, that everything needs to be in our best interest. Instead, it's in our worst interest. We go into debt where the interest payments are going away from us versus into investments where the interest payments are coming toward us. And this is what we want the entrepreneurs to know because entrepreneurs, why am I saying entrepreneurs? And I'm not, I'm not, um, not leaving out people who are not entrepreneurs, but I'm encouraging people who are not entrepreneurs to become entrepreneurs because you can write your own check. And therefore now when we start saying paying yourself, you're not going off of who's giving you permission to pay yourself. You are giving yourself permission to pay yourself first because you get to gauge and write your own check. Can we talk about compounding? Um, you know, Abdul, would you go ahead and share with us about the power of compounding? One dollar compounded over 30 days, doubling over 30 days is over $5 million. But many of us, just like what Myron said, you could earn the $25,000 over 40 years, but you didn't put even any of that money paying yourself first to compound. And so now we look 40 years later and we're probably in a negative because maybe we didn't increase our income according with inflation or the changes. And that's why many people are experiencing what we call brokenness. Um, It's not because they didn't make enough money. It's because we weren't clear about mastering what we should be doing with money. Yes. um, Thanks, Nicola, for bringing me up to talk about this specific topic. And, Props to you, Myron. You're someone I admire and look up to a lot. Um, okay, so I feel like the first thing people need to do is have the mindset shift, right? You need to repair your relationship with money before you can even start thinking about how you can compound mm-hmm. your money. Because I grew up in an environment, I'm Nigerian by descent, I grew up in, and I was raised in Nigeria, in a struggling family. Mm-hmm. Right. So for me to move from that kind of person to now having abundance, it was um, going from a survivalist mentality to I want to create generational wealth. Right. That to um, that desire. I think everything starts with desire. Really, if you want something and you are very very uh, passionate about it, and you do your if you conduct your research about it, like money topics, um, when people talk about money, sometimes it gets people riled up in their feelings and they get emotional about it. But we need to talk about this. So yeah, about compounding, um, you really need to put your money to work. I believe 
money goes to those who value it the most and it leaves those who um, value it less. Right? So when you have when you get your money, you need to like pay yourself out. Like you need to pay yourself. And what do I mean by pay yourself? Put your money to work for you. Put your money into um, assets that generate much more for you. So if you're a business person, for instance, you can put your money into one advertising, right? Like that's the fastest way I feel like you can go your brand where you can put a dollar in and predictably get a dollar fifty cents back, get five dollar back, right? Because even if you invest your money in the stock market, which you should stock market, um, crypto, but if you put your money into advertising, like you have the fastest way, once you have everything dialed in, you have the fastest way to generate returns for your business. Now you can also put your money into cash flow generating assets, um, rentals, you can put your money into like, uh, yeah, to car rentals, put your money into properties, and ways for your money to not just sit down. Like um, someone gave me an analogy when I was younger and that stays with me till now. Think of it like this, if you, have water somewhere and you allow it to flow you, you create so many channels for that water to come in and for it to flow you tend to like that that water tends to um move around and it's not stagnant but the moment you allow water to stay in a specific environment without flowing it starts um get, how do i put it it starts smelling Right, because now you're stopping it from going. Yeah, you're stopping it from doing what it should be doing. And even if it's like kept in like a metal bucket, for instance, the bucket starts rusting. Right, that's the same way you should see your wealth. That's the same way you should see your money. Uh, if you keep money in the bank and inflation occurs, your money loses its value. And statistically, in a year, um, inflation occurs at eleven percent. Right, so that means if you put a if you put a thousand dollar in the bank in the beginning of 2020, uh, by the end of 2020, your money has depreciated in its value by a hundred and a hundred and ten dollars. Right, so put your money to work for you before you even start spending out of it. Right, so that's that's how I see it, and this book um really helped me the richest man in Babylon when I was growing up, like. For me, it's different. I come from um, an environment where, you know, you had to start out from scratch, right? But, yeah, and Myron mentioned something, money loves faith. If someone I adore, honestly, being able to even discuss this on stage with him is amazing. And money loves faith, and the more you can make it faster, right, and the more you can channel it into resources that would help you generate much more money, the higher your chances of building wealth. As I'm younger than literally everyone on this stage right now. I'll be 23 in February, right? So I've been, it's not like I've been rich for so long. I've been probably wealthy for four or five years of my life. I've spent the last period of my life struggling. So I've only been wealthy for four or five years of my life, but during that period, what really took me from um, struggling to now having this abundance is understanding that 
money exists out there. Um, over five hundred and sixty-nine billion dollars is printed every day in the USA. So all you need to do is find out to channel it to yourself, create mm -hmm. channel for that money to come to you, and understand that money follows value, right? If you provide value, if you provide impact to people, it becomes a no-brainer for them to come to you and for them to work with you, right? I believe leadership is more about service. So if you serve people as a business person, if you provide enough value to them, money is like that exchange of um, value, Absolutely. right? You solve their problem, they pay you for it, and now you have more money to do what you want to do, right? So you need to bring, you need to place like a premium on your time uh, for you to offer services to people, but also know that you are selling a transformation as a business person, and the more you transform people's lives, the more people you get to reach, yeah, your chances of like making more. But it's not always about making more; it's about what you keep at in the end. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If you make if you make a million and you don't know how to like manage, I tell people if you can't manage a hundred dollars, you will never be able to manage a million dollars. Nothing changes. Right, like why do people um, win a, lo a lottery and then a year later they are back to square one? It's because the mindset is yet to shift. They are yet to align with an higher version of themselves that will uh, maintain and grow. Like you can make money, but you need to learn how to keep and grow. Well, That's right. right. So if you can't keep and you can't grow, then you would keep working for money all your life. So it's all about aligning, having that mental shift and knowing that you need to renew your relationship with money. Yeah. You, um, find people that are already where you want to be, pay them because you know now they are reducing the level of mistakes you would make. I mean, you, for instance, when we got on a call recently, we had some conversations. I think you, you broke up a little bit, Abdul. Um, that was a perfect segue to what I wanted to share is that you, okay, it broke up a little bit. I'm sorry. We couldn't hear you for a moment. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can hear you now. You know, I was saying it was a perfect segue into people believing they can labor um, themselves to wealth versus leverage themselves to wealth. You said something so powerful and you kept, you kept saying in a pluralized manner, sources of income. What I find is that we must understand that we can't put all eggs in one basket. Yes, you have a business and then now you put money back into that business, but then also instead of you eating your seed, which are your profits, um, you can put that seed into multiple sources. So if we were laboring for that, that would be called overwhelm, right? Most people, um, when they are entrepreneurs, they say, you know, they become like a jack of many trades and a master of none. So they take and they say uh, multiple streams of income. There are multiple businesses that conflict each other, multiple businesses that take their time. They're not applying leverage. But if we stop thinking diversifying the labor and we start thinking diversifying leverage, now we go into overflow. So we move from overwhelm into overflow. 
I find that people are not realizing that we do still need our time and energy for God and our children and enjoyment of even the earnings that we have. And we must master this. You know, I used to wonder, how were uh, uh, people who were like, say, CEOs or even they said, hey, they own businesses. And while I was in the salon working 10, 14 hours a day, they were on the golf course or their kids were, they were pushing buggies in expensive malls and with black American Express cars. They were, they were, and I didn't understand, like, what is that? And I said, no, I got to understand what is this? And I said, I, when I begin to understand and say, wait a minute, if I earned a hundred dollars and I put 20% back into how I earned that hundred dollars or even 50%, and then I diversified the other 50% into five other streams that can return back to me. If I put $10, it returns back to me $20. I just need to know the rule of 72 on how quickly it's going to return. Then I began to build wealth, generational wealth, which means it wasn't just for me. It also would help other people. And I'm not hearing it played out as simply as possible. Number one, you need to think like a bank and look out for your best interest. Number two, you got to learn how to fish. So you talked about business. You got to become a friend. You got to know how to clearly, you know, uh, share your information. You got to be able to show success from yourself or others that you've helped. And then now you really got to help people. And you talked about that. And I, I want to identify with people because we're starting our Vision to Profit Challenge, five-day challenge. You can go to NicolaSmithJackson.com and go and get the vision board and the vision movie. And then now we're going to be breaking down these concepts because you need a guide. You need people to walk you through it in a simple way. I found that money concepts were presented so complex. When people, if you know how to add, if you kept this very simple, Things that add and multiply to your bottom line are good, and things that divide or subtract are bad. And then we'd make a whole difference of we wouldn't be afraid to invest in mentors and invest in training that would now help us accelerate. Myron said that success or money loves speed. It would accelerate. It shaves off your learning curve when you pay for experts to help you or you pay for coaches to learn what they've already learned, right? And then now it would make more sense that instead of now I'm looking only to buy a pair of Jordans, I need to have stock in Jordan. It has stock in Nike. But I don't only want to do that. I want to have insurance as well so I can now leverage that insurance. Again, always looking for ways that I can do more with less, leverage somebody else's money so I can accomplish what I need. And then I want to position myself with credibility so I can borrow or use other people's money. These types of concepts we have to master. Many of us are thinking it takes a lot of money. I think we have a gentleman um, on um, L.A. Williams. want to bring him in and, and, and hear, you know, what's your take on this? Because I literally have a class I got to take at 9 o'clock. And I first said, you know, we're going to do this. But when I saw... One of my first millionaire mentors hopped on, Myron Golden, when I saw Abdul hop on, and I saw many other um, powerful people, and, I, and I've, I've listened to you, um, Mr. L.A. Williams. I'd love to hear what's your thoughts on, you know, the money matters that we have to master in these crazy times, because we're taking this money, and we're fearful, so we're just going to go consume it. People are just going to go to the grocery store and just buy a bunch of food. We need the food. They're telling you, hey, go stock up on two weeks of food out of fear. And then you got all this food that you eat and you can just, you know what I mean? Like it's just going to come out the other end. And then while we're watching the news, there are people who are watching their investments grow. Can we talk about that? Thanks, 
thing that you said today is um, that's that's what I that's what I preach. That's what I teach. That's what I talk about. Um, but it was crazy because when I saw uh, Myron uh, and, and come in here, he knows that he knows he's one of my biggest fans. Hey, I'm sorry, <laughs> I said it. I look, that was profitable right there. No. <laughs>
And, and sometimes we accumulate it and we, we provoke people to envy. These are things that I build off of biblical principles that we should not build anything off of provocation of, of envy. It's supposed to be to give good, right? So contribution and growth are two other human needs that we need to identify and say, wait a minute, would money become a better asset or something that you'd pursue if you knew that you could also change someone's life with it? Now, on my last call we did, I gave away $5,000, and it's through, my, through the foundation that I created. So, of course, those you'll be getting payment within uh, today or tomorrow because it has to go through the processes. But one of the biggest things for me is when I'm sitting at the table, because when you're first generational wealthy, you might come up on guilt or you might come up on hateration from people who were close to you uh, because they remembered you when you were in the same financial situation they were. And so now you might accumulate this, this feeling of guilt, which is coming from a low energy place with money, and then now you start to self-sabotage, right? The relationship we have with money will identify that, yes, women want long-term stuff. Well, I mean, I think most women do. We probably just accepted short-term because that's probably what's being dished out to us. The same thing on the way we have the conversations around money where we're being taught more to be consumers versus producers and investors. And so we're, we stay locked into this consumer mode where now we're just watching people make money versus make money ourselves. So at the end of the day, women are nurturers. Nurturers take time. And can I talk around that self-sabotage and being a fourth generation? Absolutely. 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 That's a good one. I was raised in Nigeria. I think I already mentioned that earlier. My parents are, my dad is a university lecturer, still a university lecturer in Nigeria. My mom is an high school teacher, and I was living on $42 a month. But I have always had this aspiration and ambition of, I would like to build wealth. And, you know, when you're in an environment where People have this love or hate relationship with money, and they always feel like money is like the root of all evil. <laughs> and where, um, while I was making, I started out freelancing, really. I was using Fiverr and Upwork, but at some point in time, Nigerians were banned off those platforms. And PayPal also delisted Nigeria from using uh, PayPal and stuff like that. So when I started making certain amount of money, I discovered that it was more like a consumer uh, mindset I had. I can say that the first um, 100K I made was blown through the roof. Like, it's really either... Um, by giving family that need money, like you have this guilt-induced uh, guilt emotion that okay, these people are struggling, and they know, like they know how you rose up, so they would always come to you and stuff like that. And when it comes to like you now wanting to do things that would help yourself, you now start seeing that your actions don't align with what it is that you've that you're going to do. For instance, I found it very, very difficult, and I, this is me being transparent, I found it very, very difficult to, one, um, outsource and delegate 
generating those leads. Like one, now you have your time is worth more. Two, you are getting much more cash flow. And three, you no longer have to worry about how it is. Like if you feel like you're an introvert and you don't want to get on calls with people and you know your close rate is low, get someone that is a closer right, a sales closer that would help you close these calls and you can agree to like a percentage or that you pay the person or you can like 80% of a million dollars is way more than 100% of a hundred thousand dollars. That's what you need to understand. And the moment you shift from the mindset of you hoarding your money and now spending it on leverage, like you said, the best thing you can do is have leverage. A man that uses um, a machine to build an apartment would get things done faster and much more efficiently than someone that um, indulges in manual labor. You will never trade your time so well. That's right. Impossible. But the moment you're able to leverage on all of these resources that are available, the internet the ultimate leverage you can ask for like that's the ultimate leverage you can ever ask for and if you are able to put your thing out there you can duplicate yourself so start thinking from today that how can you make the most money in the shortest time frame possible and with the most form of efficiency if you do this you would fast track your way to wealth i mean i'm i'm young like it's still anyone that will get gets uh, surprised. But I'm young, way, way young. But what I've been able to achieve in a shorter time frame is solely because of leveraging on other people's knowledge, leveraging on other people's mm-hmm. time, and leveraging on the resources that are readily available. So the moment you change your um, the moment you change your relationship with money and start to understand how to build wealth because making money is easy honestly is the first step in building wealth but you need to start focusing on how to keep and grow your money and the more you give the more you receive it might seem uh cliche but it's the truth like if you give uh to people that would probably be unable to pay you back for what you just did your money comes back to you in manifolds. So the more you make, learn to also give out. Right? Mm-hmm. Make someone happy. And their prayers, like, I know, for me, my parents, giving my parents money, giving people in uh, the less privileged money, um, being able to help those that are close to me, is something that gives me joy. Like, they can't possibly pay me back, but that happiness from receiving prayers from my parents and stuff like that has been amazing. So if you're a first generation millionaire, focus on building your network, focus on building your relationship with money because money only goes to those who value it and who know how to channel it. That's right. So, you know, Abdul, you talked about something that was extremely important. And what I what I want to hear, and I want the, the audience to have some very clear takeaways. And the idea is we have to think about money in principle form or law, meaning that it'll you can apply it 
to whatever else you do in life. So if it only, like if, if you learn something and it can only apply to money, it might be an opinion. But if you learn something, you can apply it to every area of your life. When we start talking about leverage, you're doing more with less. And I, and I explained leverage to one of my coaching clients when they said, I don't understand leverage. And I said, so think about it. Have you ever been on a seesaw at the playground? Many of these principles we were taught, but we weren't taught the relationship or the correlation to it in building wealth or money. So we, just like we were taught addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, we were taught the, the exponents or exponential growth, exponential growth, and that's what I use to build businesses that I have built up to nine figures, these simple principles. So what I want to talk about is leverage. If you've ever been on a playground and you've been on a seesaw, you could have a person that is much lighter in weight allow a person that's heavier in weight go up in the air by levering or leveraging that board that's in the middle, something in the middle, and you leverage it in the board. And, and people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, because you could be a kid that would still allow an adult to go higher on the seesaw, and then now the adult, obviously, the heavier it is, it can, you know, bring it up easier. But you could do things that you could never do without the lever. So when you're able to say leveraging someone else's expertise, that also saves you time, so if success loves speed or money loves speed, if you can do it faster, leveraging someone else's expertise, you want to do that. The same thing with money. While we're talking, I have eight streams going in multiple directions while I'm speaking. There's no way I can be in eight places at the same time. Only God can do that. So that tells me that that is a good idea, just like Myron shared, and it's a God idea. That there's no way that we should exhaust ourselves, that's in the word, exhaust ourselves to wealth. Because then that takes away time from our loved ones that we can't get back. Once you think about, what would I like the end to be like? Do I want my kids to say there was never time? I correct my kids when I see them doing things around money that I know are breaking the laws. Because Dr. Miles Monroe would always tell me and all his mentees that People don't break laws. Laws break people. Because laws are not going to change just because people want them to change. And so we begin to teach the laws around money, and then we give them very simple applications of it. The transfer of wealth can come into anyone's home that wants it. I want it to be simple. And I hear Ken on, I would love to hear what you would love to share. Good afternoon. I mean, good morning. Here I am. Good afternoon. Ken, how are you? Pleasure to have you here. Aw, thanks for having me. Um, hey, everybody. I'm, I'm, I'm loving all this. I want, I want to talk about leverage and fear because it's, it's resonating with me. I'm, I'm Ken Clark. I'm actually a licensed psychotherapist, but my wife and I have built a, uh, a three-time Inc. 5000 uh, business, behavioral health business. So, um, it, it's all about leverage at this level. I've got 135 employees. We see 80,000 patients uh, hours a year. There's no way I can be uh, the guy on Johnny on the spot like I was in the early days. And so it is all about leverage. And, and whether it's time leverage or, or, or financial leverage and having those eight different directions that, that you talked about, 
you can't do it if you're afraid because leverage requires you to give away control Mm -hmm. and give away power. You're you're trusting somebody to run those income streams, manage, manage an initiative, uh, be the expert. A lot of us as entrepreneurs, we start with being everything from the janitor to the expert, right? So there's a lot of fear that goes into, uh, to, to giving away in that process of leverage, giving away responsibility, giving away control. And, and as, as a psychotherapist, just quick 90 seconds on brain science here, the, the brain either operates from the amygdala, which is, is the back little part of the brain that controls fight, flight, or freeze, or it operates from the prefrontal cortex, which is where we fall in love and invent things and come up with ideas. They can't run at the same time, right? When our brain is telling us to jump out of the way of, of the oncoming car, we don't write love poems to, to our significant other at the same time, right? We are in survival mode. So to, to leverage properly, you've got to do something about that fear that, that takes over when we give away control. Uh, if, 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 you, if you can't, you can't do what, what she's talking about there, y'all. You, you can't give away and leverage properly while you're still holding on for dear life. And, and so that's where things like faith and these other things fit into that. But I want to give you one takeaway because she asked for takeaways for today. Gratitude and, and specifically the process of expressing gratitude to other humans, not just writing it down in a, a book that goes on your nightstand, but expressing it uh, is like one of those lawnmower cords, right? If y'all imagine your head, somebody pulling that cord, trying to get the lawnmower started out in your front yard, when you express gratitude, when you sit and calculate what you're thankful for, and then you go through the act of expressing it, writing a note, sending a text to somebody else, it's like pulling that, that lawnmower cord on the front part of your brain. It gets it fired up, and it knocks that amygdala, the back part of your brain, offline. If you want to succeed creatively and leverage in ways that, that really work, you, you've got to be operating from the front part of your brain, and gratitude is one of the best ways to do it. I'll leave you with this. Even with my leadership team, I've got a senior leadership team of eight people that help run my company. Before every single meeting, we sit down as a group and start writing thank you notes. Before we solve any problem in our company or, or extend ourselves into any new initiative, we write thank you notes. We send out hundreds of thank you notes every year because I believe we solve problems better after we fired up that front part of the brain instead of operating from the back. So if you're trying to do anything in your business, if you're trying to leverage like she's talking about, we're going to talk about more. She's going to talk about more. Do it from a place of gratitude. Go out, buy a stack of thank you notes, start writing them to people. I don't care if it's your high school teacher or the person that held the door open for you. You're, you're going to be a better entrepreneur. You're going to leverage better operating from gratitude instead of fear. That is huge, Ken, because this is something that I share with, um, you know, my team. This is uh, episode 1061 of my podcast. And so obviously since Clubhouse has been on, I have been bringing it to Clubhouse for the last few weeks. And um, I think on last week, I probably was the first time. So I do it five days a week. And the thing is, is that I shared, we had one episode, one series on how gratitude is the gateway to massive success. And when we start talking about trust, we have to acknowledge something as a truth. And that will help us have more faith. If we're sharing this information 
and it's still not acknowledged as a truth, then fear is going to continue to take over. So we have to surrender. We have to surrender to the idea, even if it's for a moment, to continue to operate as what we're telling you is truth. And you're so right, because, you know, in gratitude, that's where you can express love. Those are the highest emotional factors that is most productive. Most people, when they're operating in fear, they're operating in rejection if you're in sales, and it just does not motivate you to keep going, and you just won't believe that you're also going to be successful like the other people you're watching. And so spending time in gratitude is so important. I wake up. I wake up. I am not afraid to let people know I go off the biblical truths. People can argue it all they want, and I'll tell them, listen, it's worked for me because myself being a person who never delivered a full-term baby after bearing three children by the age of 23. And the moment I woke up every day reading affirmations of grateful, being grateful of having a full-term baby, I had a full-term baby 13 years ago, and it was a part of my vision. It was from the idea of me now trusting God, not what has happened in the past with my body. And once he did that, it was game over, right? I can tell you that what Ken is saying is a system, a principle of truth that you might have already been doing that in other areas of your life, but if you can apply it in areas of business and money, you'll be able to get some results. And because I, I experienced what Ken is discussing, not knowing the scientific side of it, but understanding the faith side of it, that I was, um, I counted it all joy. I found joy, and even Warren Buffett talks about that, finding, you know, optimism and pessimism. He discusses that even in, in dealing with money. Um, I can always find that light, no matter how dark things, have hap things that have happened to me. And it has helped me to push through and, 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 and become victorious. So I thank you so much for that, Ken. I thank you so much for that. Let me, let me add one little wrinkle to it, too, if you guys are going to embark on a, a gratitude uh, deliberate exercise. Well, two. One, the great thing about writing thank you notes, I'm, I'm such a huge fan of it. When, when we write things, it also in, it, it's internal. What's that? That's Blog Talk Radio. Thank you so much. They were having a good time. I normally would have counted off. They can hear you on Blog Talk Radio as well. Thank you so much, Blog Talk. We're going to continue, Ken. Am I okay? To, uh...